And we're going to continue our discussion uh, in relation to Pride Month. Uh, this year, uh, more than any in uh, recent memory, uh, the LGBT community has been under intense attack from uh, far-right-wing extremists. And uh, a journalist that we uh, follow closely who follows uh, these trends very closely is uh, Talia Jane. And uh, uh, her uh, Twitter feed is a constant um, uh, update on, on various uh, uh, actions that are going on, uh, both being carried out by far-right extremists and by people who, who seek to counter uh, their influence. Uh, uh, Talia, welcome to the Independent News Hour. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. So uh, for starters, what do you consider some of the most uh, uh, worrying trends right now uh, with uh, far-right extremists and their targeting of the LGBTQ plus community? I would say what is most concerning is that the it's not just the far right. It is trickling more broadly into um, more mainstream spaces and by people who themselves wouldn't necessarily identify as far right. Um, we're seeing people pick up on rhetoric and concepts that originate from extremists. Um, they, you know, they just see it on social media and they suddenly see, you know, a drag queen and they accuse them of being a groomer. Um, and I think that is what is concerning is that it's steeping into the public consciousness, um, as opposed to staying in its own little realm. So uh, in particular, the, 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 uh, transgender community uh, has been targeted. Can you can you talk about uh, how that has uh, uh, gained momentum even in just the last year or two? So over the past year or so, there has been an uptick in aggressively dehumanizing language around trans people um, and effort to frame them as inhuman, um, and illegitimate and dangerous. And this is the same type of rhetoric that we see, uh, we, you know, we saw during the Holocaust or leading to the Holocaust, uh, regarding trans people as well as Jews and, you know, the gay and lesbian community and all these different marginalized groups that ended up being targeted by Nazis. Um, and the, the rhetoric of that has been from the start transparently um bogus just completely nonsensical it is you know you find one instance out of a million people where someone has done harm and the far right uses that to prop up as proof that the entire group is bad meanwhile they fail to worry about the propensity of you know catholic priests abusing children um, they have conflated being trans with being a drag queen, um, to then accuse drag story hour of attempting to indoctrinate children by reading books that focus on, you know, inclusivity, self-acceptance, uh, and combating tolerance and learning prejudice, uh, like combating prejudice and learning tolerance. 
Um, and in the past year, I would say we've seen something like, what was it like over 600 leg, uh, legislative bills that have been introduced attempting to criminalize the trans identity, access to gender affirming medical care, um, which includes and is largely centered on just therapy. Um, and this is all despite the fact that the rhetoric is already known to be completely unfounded. Um, they're forging ahead anyway. It's a creation of a, an irrational foundation, um, which then is used as the jumping off point for all this other stuff. And we see this with hate campaigns. It is completely disingenuous and they know it's disingenuous, but they are seeking a larger goal than this one specific thing. This is a, this is a stepping stone towards total and complete fascism in the absolute and technical sense of the term. And for people who might not be so familiar with that, um, <clears throat> build the bridge a little bit. Why is, why is this, you know, um, one of the many steps toward fascism? So fascism is a far right authoritarian, like system of government that seeks to instill a sort of, sort of homo- um, homogenous society where everyone has to be the same type of person. Um, they, there is no room for any sort of diversity of thought, any diversity of personhood. And when you seek to eliminate access, access to spaces that affirm who you are, as opposed to try and force you into being an image pushed upon you, um, that is a form of, you know, enacting fascism. It is trying to push this homogeny onto the broader society. It is an attempt to erase a type of person because it falls outside of a very specific and very hate-fueled image of what a person is allowed to be. So when we see campaigns targeting uh, brands for sponsoring pride events or for, you know, hosting or, you know, collaborating with a, with a trans influencer. Um, these are, these are corporatized things. And, and it is, you know, just like a, another form of capitalism that seeks to benefit off of people's identities and make themselves wealthy. Um, but it is something where when you see acceptance like that, even in the most capitalist and exploitative sense, um, that allows space for people to be reminded that like, it's okay to be who they are already. Um, and when that is shut down, what is signaled is that you are not allowed to be like that. We saw that, you know, with the, with the Dodgers going after the sisters of perpetual indulgence, uh, what was it? Uh, you know, Ted Cruz and Charlie Kirk and, and Matt Walsh and everything. They were incensed that the Dodgers would be, celebrating a charity that satirizes um, the aesthetic of the Catholic church. Um, And the effort of that was to limit the celebratory, you know, um, community around drag and inclusivity and diversity. Right. So that, and that that turned out to be a very ugly protest outside of a Dodger stadium. Yeah. Uh, a week or two ago, uh, the, the Los Angeles Dodgers baseball team has celebrated a pride night, 
uh, I think for over a decade now, has been one of the more, uh, I guess, forward-looking uh, sports franchises in uh, the United States on these issues. Um, can you talk a little bit about how uh, uh, this movement, uh, even though it's strongest in the red states, is becoming more and more aggressive in targeting places like Los Angeles or uh, here in New York? What are we seeing on the ground in New York that uh, disturbs you? Well, so there's two parts of that that I want to point out. And the first part is that I think if you look at what happened around the Dodgers Pride Night, you get the clearest um, cross-section to examine these hate campaigns as they are. Matt Walsh very specifically said that their goal is to, I think it's something like claim as many scalps as possible and move on to the next. And it's just like picking a target and pummeling it until it falls and then picking a new one and, and continuing that same process. We saw people from other states outside of California, outside of Los Angeles, uh, banging this drum, trying to whip up a frenzy um, and push hysteria. We saw in the protest itself, I, you know, I'm not super familiar with a lot of the specific faces of far-right extremists in Los Angeles, but I still recognized a lot of far-right iconography and far-right figures. And, and, you know, and like, it was easy for me to point that out and, and recognize that the organizer of it is from Arizona, right? So we've got these like movements um, from other places, outside agitators, if you will, um, focusing on a space and trying to dominate it with, uh, you know, claims of, you know, we're just here to, cause we care about the children. And we see that now to answer the second part of it in New York city, uh, that has prominently manifested as targeting drag story hour events. Um, we have a group, uh, that started as they started in the anti-vax conspiracy realm, which is distinct from people who are vaccine skeptical. Um, these were straight up like QAnon MAGA people who adopted QAnon-ish conspiracies about masking and vaccines and Bill Gates and George Soros and all these other people. Um, they started with the anti-vax space. They then became further radicalized into the far right. And when the hate campaign targeting drag queens and trans people and specifically drag story hours started to really pick up mid last year. Um, they started suddenly being appalled and, and concerned about drag and they started targeting drag story hour events, disrupting them, sometimes physically assaulting people, um, trying to invade libraries, screaming just the worst things, you know, on recording themselves doing it, you know, they, they would, then go and try and claim that they're not homophobic while advocating to return to queer bashing. They would claim that they're not, they don't, you know, they don't have anything against trans people. And they would go ahead and espouse a bunch of transphobic rhetoric that they don't realize is transphobic because they've just been consuming the propaganda of the hate campaign that is motivating them to do this thing. Um, so for, I think it was since September of last year, this group has been targeting a children's reading event and they have specifically said that their intent is to harass it, to intimidate parents and families out of attending those events. 
to wow. scare them away from that space. So that way then they will not be exposed to what they feel is indoctrinating people, but what is in actuality just a queer friendly reading event where someone dressed up in costume reads a book saying, it's okay for you to be who you are and it's okay for other people to be who they are. Right. And sorry to cut you off, Talia, but um, we have uh, another minute here and I want to ask you uh, this last question about what people can do in response, um, um, how to reclaim public space and stay vigilant. And then please uh, just finish off by telling us how we can follow your work or follow you on Twitter. Sure. So there's a an Instagram account that was created recently. Um, I believe it's called NYC Queer Trans Defense. Yeah, NYC Queer Trans Defense. Um, that was created autonomously by people who are putting up notices about like if something if a space needs to be defended. A lot of times, just um, physical presence at drag story hours has been enough to deter the self-described harassers from instigating or targeting the event. They instead focus on the defenders. Um, in terms of outside of those specific spaces, spreading knowledge and awareness of how these campaigns are manifesting, the intentions that they have to motivate people, the disingenuous rhetoric that they are using, and the appeals to rationality and reason and, you know, superiority that they are exploiting to try and get people to join them who would otherwise not. You know, there's there's a lot of people who would say, I'm not a fascist, I'm not far right, but, and then they go ahead and say a lot of things cultivated for them by far right propagandists. Um, so becoming aware of the rhetoric and the claims and the efforts that these, these um, essentially bigots are using is an effective tool but also sharing to other people and informing your friends. If you see those things pop up on your friend's social media, taking time to explain to them in like loving kindness and, and collaboration, why that thing is not what they think it is and why it's harmful. Taking the time to do that is going to build much, much stronger communities that can withstand any type of hate campaign, any type of disinformation or propaganda. So if people want to help combat this, they can, you know, join in, you know, whatever um, community defense actions pop up, but also spread the awareness and the understanding of what is attacking people. Um, and that will help to neutralize it so that we then you don't have to mobilize to physically defend a space in the first place. Um, and... Right. Yeah, um, Italia, we'll, we'll have to move on here in a sec, but where, where can people, uh, go to find you online? Yeah, um, so they can find me on Twitter. Um, it's at Talia OTG. Um, and you can, there's links to my Patreon and, um, other stuff that you can look up and explore. I recently wrote a primer about, um, if if people want to rejoin um, protest spaces, but they're feeling concerned or lack confidence because they feel that it's unsafe because it's been targeted, um, I wrote a pretty long thing kind of helping to step people back into that uh, that you're welcome to read uh, for free. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Independent News Hour, Talia Jane. We are going to take it to a short break and we'll be right back.